Amen. Well, I, I have to tell you, there, my heart is overflowing today. There's just a couple things that I'm really excited about. Because um, God works behind the scenes, even when it's not always the spotlight, it's how God works behind the scenes and helps, helps people. And um, one of the things that was a blessing to me today, as if you noticed, it wasn't just Larry and I up here today. Uh, Tony Edler came up and helped us with uh, the music. And I love that. You know, I, I've been saying that I've said ministry opportunities slide for the last month or so, and I haven't had a lot of people come up to me yet. But Tony came up to me last Sunday and said, hey, I would like to help out. And, and that's an answer to prayer, because let me tell you what I do. Every, every week, I set up music on all of these music stands. Now, normally, it's just Larry and I up here singing. But by faith, I set up music on all these stands. I put, put stuff in for the guitar and, and for the bass. I have a vision that this one day, this platform will be filled with a praise team that congregation will be filled with people out there worshiping and praising the Lord. And seeing Tony up here today was just one step closer to that dream and vision. And so thank you for doing that. And please, if you guys want to help out, we have tech opportunities, music opportunities, kids and teens. There's a lot of needs in this church, and it really just takes us joining together and working together. So uh, that to me is exciting. The other exciting thing if you, depending on when you entered into the church today, if you happen to enter on this side of the parking lot, you'll notice that something is missing. We actually don't have the ministry house anymore. It's this big, wide, open field. I was talking to Evan and Daniel this morning. I said, we've got to break in that field. Maybe a kickball game or something, even if we're just running around on it. I, I, I just love the fact that we've got that field. I can see our kids using it, our teens using it. Eventually, I know down the road, we'd like to make some additional parking with that. But before we even do that, I think there's some great things that we can use that, maybe even a cookout or like a picnic for our church sometime that we could invite friends and family. But if you haven't seen it, look at that lot. And I know Dan has some before and after pictures. We'll share those in the coming days. But uh, God is working behind the scenes and doing some amazing things in our church. And I'm just grateful for that. Another thing that happened this week is Jamie Troutman called me and told me that today, September the 16th, is actually the anniversary of his dad, Larry, and his mom, Connie. It would be their 45th wedding anniversary. As you know, Connie went to be with the Lord, and I know Larry's not feeling well today or he would be here. But when you see Larry again, just wish him just a happy heavenly anniversary. The one thing I know about Larry is he loves Connie very much. It, it, they were soulmates. But he is looking so forward to that glorious day that we sang about when he and Connie are reunited and get to worship the Lord forever. And I know that's our hope for heaven. He's going to be able to see Connie. I get to see my mother-in-law, Rita. I get to see my mom, Linda, my grandma and grandparent, grandparents, you get to see your loved ones too, but most of all, we get to see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so to me, uh, hearing about Larry and Connie this week is the perfect way to introduce the topic we're going to talk about today, which is love. We're talking about love. I know Larry and Connie loved each other, and uh, God has compelled us and commanded us 
to love one another as well. And we're going to look at it through the lens of our new sermon series, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And kind of like what I did with the subtitle of the Ten Commandments, Love God, Love People, I've subtitled this one too, and it's simply Walk in the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is produced in us, and when we walk in the Spirit, we are living in the Spirit and living in His power and not our power. And you will see that all throughout this study as we go through the fruit of the Spirit. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16 and go through verse 25. I'll read this out loud as, as you can follow along. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. That's important. They're contrary. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So that's not an, in, an inclusive list. It actually lists a lot more, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time in the past, and that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then Paul starts to contrast those works of the flesh. And he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ, praise the Lord for this, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word today. Help your Holy Spirit teach us what it means to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Teach us what these, these words that Paul wrote so long ago to those, Christ, those Galatian Christians, what they mean to us today in 2021. And we will praise you forever, for we ask this in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you guys know already, because I've shared it multiple, multiple times, I'm not a big fan of the Hallmark Channel. I, I know many of you are, and I, I respect that. I do think they have positive movies. I like that. My biggest beef with the Hallmark Channel is it seems like it's the same old plot just over and over and over again. If I've watched one Hallmark movie, I have seen them all. They, 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 they have this, this interest in love, and then an old boyfriend comes back, causes conflict, and then by the end of the movie, the old boyfriend's gone, and then finally, finally, the two protagonists finally kiss and the movie's over. That is all the Hallmark movies that I've ever seen over and over again. Uh, the other thing I don't like about the Hallmark Channel is that they start showing Christmas movies like before Halloween. And that, it's kind of like the Hobby Lobby thing. If you go in to Hobby Lobby in August, you will see tons of Christmas stuff. 
Hallmark loves Christmas, so all the time it is Christmas, Christmas, all the time on the Hallmark Channel. I love the positive messages. It's good, clean entertainment. It's just annoying to me. So that's why I live with someone who lives on the Hallmark Channel. So that's why I, I indulge and listen and watch. But once again, it's not one of my favorites. However, Sherry has also introduced me to something that I do like. It's actually some of the, chance, the Food Network. And some of the shows I like are like Cupcake Wars. I'm, we're getting into Halloween Wars, which I love because they come up with the coolest pumpkin designs and coolest type of desserts and things. I love the war shows, the Cupcake Wars, Halloween Wars, Bobby's Dinner Battle, and even Restaurant Battle. I love competition. So these are much more up my alley than the Hallmark Channel. When I read Galatians chapter 5, I realize that Paul's describing a war. And it's not a cupcake war. It's not even a Halloween war. It's a war between the flesh and the spirit. If you look at Galatians 5, 16 through 24, you'll see in verse 19, Paul begins to list all sorts of things that are the works of the flesh. Immorality, impurity, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, fits of anger, jealousy, envy, all those things are at work in the flesh. But then he contrasts that with verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is a battle going on in your life right now, a battle between the flesh, everything you see on verse 19, and a battle of the Spirit, verse 22. And it's much more serious than even carving a pumpkin and winning in Halloween wars, because this is a battle for your life. It really is. There is a battle within. The question I want to ask you today is who is winning that battle in your life? Is it the flesh that's winning out over the spirit? Or is somehow the spirit giving you victory in your life? There are some Christians who believe that the war is unwinnable. They believe because we're in the flesh that we're doomed to repeat the works of the flesh. We're doomed to be jealous and envious. We're doomed to have fits of anger. We're doomed to, to have lustful thoughts and adultery and fornication. We are doomed to end up losing that battle. I am so thankful that the Church of the Nazarene is much more optimistic than that. We believe that if we are truly yielded to the Spirit, if we're truly yielded to God, then we can have victory. We don't have to go into that works of the flesh. We can get victory over that. That's what Jesus died for. He shed his blood so that we could live victorious, not defeated. And I can tell you there are too many Christians today who are living defeated lives because they're convinced that they can't win that battle. I am not. We can win the battle not through ourselves, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let me tell you, I'm not alone in this. I believe Paul believes this too. When you read this verse, the verses that we read, yes, he talks about this enemy. He talks about the works of the flesh and how they're always there battling within us. But then he says, there's hope, there's hope. 
and the hope is in the fruit of the Spirit. I love how Paul frames this verse. You see, look at how he begins verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. You shall not, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then look how he ends this section. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Do you see those bookends? He starts by walking in the Spirit and that you don't have to give in to the lust of the flesh if you're walking in the Spirit, but then he ends it by saying if we live in the Spirit, we can walk in the Spirit. You see, walking is something, it's not like running a marathon. Daniel, it's not even like running a cross-country meet. Walking's kind of easy. You know, it's one step each and every day. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, we are running the waste with perseverance. We are walking in the Spirit. One day at a time, one step at a time. And if we let the Holy Spirit rule in our life, we can have victory over those works of the flesh. If you're struggling today with that battle within, between the flesh and the spirit, know this from your pastor, that you can have victory. You can win that battle. You are not defeated. Jesus is the champion and he gives you victory. There is victory in Jesus Christ today. If we walk in the spirit and we live by the spirit, that is what this message is all about. That's what the fruit of the spirit's all about walking in the Spirit, day by day, step by step, not depending on my own strength, that's a recipe for failure, but depending on God's strength, His Spirit produces the fruit within my life. So let me ask you this, and I, when I was in school, I always hated pop quizzes, but I think this is important to understand. I'm gonna make an open book. So if you have your Bible and you're turned to the Galatians chapter five, here's my question, here's my pop quiz. And let me tell you, I've been guilty of this. I've got it wrong. So if you get it wrong, no big deal, but it's something for us to understand right in the beginning of this series. Here's my question. Is it the fruits of the spirit or is it the fruit? Of the Spirit. Any answers on that? Is it the fruits of the Spirit or is it the fruit of the Spirit? Fruit. 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 That is it. Fruit. Singular. That's something for us to understand because the Greek word that Paul uses is karpos, and it is a singular word. There have been many times where I've talked about the fruits of the Spirit. That's not what Paul uses. He said it's the fruit of the Spirit. So let's explain that a little bit. The Spirit is the sole source of this fruit that's produced in our life. It is Him that produces this. You, in fact, you will see all these virtues, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You'll see all those virtues if the Holy Spirit is in control of your life and He is making those, that fruit on display in your life. So all those fruits come together. It's a package deal. We don't say, I don't get up today and say, you know what? The, fruit, the, the Spirit is in my life, so today I'm going to produce love. I'm going to show love to everyone. And then tomorrow, it's Monday. Monday's kind of a rough day. Uh, I'm going to have the, fruit, the Spirit produce kindness. 
in my life tomorrow. So today's a love day, tomorrow's a kind day, and maybe on Wednesday I'll get to patience because it's hump day. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying if I have love today, then I also have kindness today. If I have joy today, then I'm going to have patience today. I'm going to have long suffering. It's a package deal. It's not one at a time. It's not multiple. It's what the Spirit produces in us, and it's a package deal. So it's almost like a bouquet of flowers. They're all flowers, but each flower is unique. Each grace is unique. Each uh, 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 virtue is evident in our life. And so that's what Paul is saying. If, if you've got one, you've got them all. It is the fruit of the Spirit, and he will produce all those virtues in your life. And this is probably the most important point. We cannot produce this fruit on our own. If I was trying to produce it on our, my own, yeah, maybe today I'd focus on love. Maybe tomorrow I'd focus on joy. But it's not me producing the fruit. It's not the fruit of Ed Simon's. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So because his Spirit is complete, he produces all of these virtues in my life each and every day, if I'm depending on him. This requires that I am totally surrendered to Jesus. The only way you can have the fruit of the Spirit in your life each and every day is a life of total surrender. If you're not totally surrendered to him, you're living your life on your own strength. You're living your life on your own power. And that is no power at all. We need to be totally surrendered to him. One of my heroes is Billy Graham. I love that man. Just was so inspired by his messages, so inspired by his books. He has a quote that I want to share with you today. Billy Graham says, the Bible tells us we need the spirit to bring fruit in our, into our lives because we cannot produce godliness apart from the Spirit. In our own selves, we are filled with all kinds of self-centered and self-seeking desires, which are opposed to God's will for our life. And I can amen that. I, on my own, that's where Ed Simons goes. Self-centered, self-seeking desires, which are opposed to God's will for my life. In other words, two things need to happen in the life of a Christian. First, the sin in our lives need to be thrust out. Amen. We have victory over sin. We don't have to give in to the works of the flesh. And we need that sin thrusted out of our life. And secondly, and probably most importantly, the Holy Spirit needs to come in and fill our lives, producing the fruit of the Spirit. We cannot do it on our own. It's only through a surrendered life to Him that the fruit of the Spirit is produced in us. God is our source. And if you don't like Billy Graham, maybe you like Jesus. Jesus has some words about this. He says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. It begins by abiding in Christ and Christ in us. He is our source. And if we do that, we bear much fruit. And I love this next line. For without me, you can do nothing. That's a good prayer for us to remind ourselves. Because I'm, I'm of the nature that I think, oh, if I devise a plan, if I devise a strategy, if I just try to do something in my own strength, I can accomplish it. 
Jesus says, no, without me, you can do nothing. And we need to get to that point where we are completely surrendered. He is our source. And then when we work with him in partnership, that's when the fruit of the spirit is produced in our life. So hopefully as we begin this study, you will see that theme over and over again. God is our source. We can do nothing without him. And it's not us that produces this fruit. It's the spirit in us that produces this fruit. So today we're talking about love. And we use the word love in church all the time. Remember, what's our mission? Love God, love people, love lived. We talk about love, love, love. We say the word so much that sometimes it loses meaning. I can tell you I love strawberries, and I do. It's probably one of my favorite fruits. Give me strawberry anything, I will eat it because I love strawberries. I, I love pizza. Pizza's another thing. Even though my stomach doesn't like it as much anymore, I still love the taste of pizza. I could eat pizza all day long. And so we use the word love to describe our affection for strawberries, our affection for pizza. Halloween's coming up. I love Halloween candy. I can sit there and use that word to describe my love for Reese's peanut butter cups and Snickers. But that's not what Paul's talking about with the fruit of the Spirit. You might even say, well, I love the Buckeyes. And after yesterday's game, that's great. They won. You should love the Buckeyes. That's awesome. But Paul is talking about love that goes beyond even your passion for the Buckeyes. I hope you guys all show up on Thursday in your Buckeye gear for our tailgating party because that's going to be fun. You can show how much you love the Buckeyes. But remember, all the love and adoration you have for the Buckeyes that's not what Paul's talking about in the fruit of the Spirit. When he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, he uses the Greek word agape. We've talked about this before, but let me just remind you. Agape is the most powerful form of love that any love can take. It's beyond my love for strawberries, pizza, or even Halloween candy. It's sacrificial love. It's more than a feeling. It's an act of the will. This is the love that God has for his people. We sang about it today. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. That's the kind of love God has for his people that prompted the sacrifice of his only son, Jesus, for our sins. Jesus was agape love personified, personified, if I can speak. In fact, we even know scripture that says God is love. God is agape is what that is. It is the most powerful act of love. It's a love that seeks the highest good for the one who is loved. It's a love of total commitment, selfless and sacrificial love. It's a love that needs no reciprocation, a love that is relentless and never, never gives up. You see the love on the Hallmark Channel? That pales in comparison to agape love. See, agape love is the love that leaves the 99 sheep and goes looking for that one lost sheep. And praise the Lord, I am that lost sheep. And that means the world to me because God would give up everything. He never, never gives up on you. That's the agape love that Paul's talking about. And that's the love that the Spirit produces in our life. So I wanna briefly, just for the last few minutes, say, what is the example of agape love? Where do we see that example? 
What's the nature of agape love? And what's the power of agape love? So let's start with the example. What is the example of agape love? John 15, 12, Jesus speaking to his disciples says, this is my commandment that you love, that's agape again, one another as I have loved you. Let me stop at my commandment. Do you realize to love one another is not an option? It's not something that, well, Pastor Ed kind of annoyed me today, so I'm not going to really love him. No, you've got to love me each and every day. I've got to love you each and every day. I have to show my love to that neighbor who leaves beer bottles on my front lawn. I have to show my love to that coworker who's stabbing me in the back when I'm not even around. That is the commandment that Jesus gives us, that you love one another. It is not an option. And we need to understand that it is not something that we choose to do. It's what the Holy Spirit produces in us. This is my commandment, not my suggestion, not my strong recommendation, my commandment that you love one another. And then he goes even further. He says, Jesus, this being, as I have loved you. How did Jesus love his disciples? There was a great lesson in John 13, 1 through 17. There's this great scene, and you guys know it really well. The disciples are going into the Last Supper. All of them are talking about who will be the greatest in the kingdom. And they go and sit down, and Jesus, out of love, picks up the servant's towel, the bowl of water, and he begins to humbly wash their dirty, stinky, dusty, sandy feet. And he does that out of love. He humbled himself to the lowest level to serve his disciples. Do we love each other like that? Do we love each other even when it's uncomfortable? Even when it stinks? Even when it's challenging? Do we humble ourselves and serve as Jesus served? I would say that Jesus' example of love washing the feet is one, but probably the greatest example of his love is when he died on the cross for you and I. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. And you, if you read the very next verse in John 15, we read verse 12, Jesus also tells his disciples, greater love, he uses agape again, has no one then he laid down his life for his friends. That's exactly what Jesus did. His example is humility. He's humbly washing the feet of the disciples, but it's also self-sacrificing, giving up himself, laying himself down so that we could be saved. My question to you today is, is that how you love? Is that the kind of love that the Holy Spirit is producing in your life today? Because Jesus' words, not Ed Simon's. This is my commandment that you love like this, humbly and self-sacrificing. Are you able to do that today? The next is the nature of love. That's the example. Christ is our example. He is love personified. The nature of love is probably a verse that you all know. Every wedding I've been a part of, 
has this verse. Every premarital counseling session that I do has this verse. Let me just read it to you just so that you know it. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is the nature of agape love. Look, listen to this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We read this verse. We celebrate marriage with this verse. We celebrate weddings with this verse. But have you ever read the verse and really looked at your own life? How do you measure up to this nature of agape love? Let me be very honest and transparent. When I read this verse, I feel convicted. Because I read this verse and I'll say, there are times where Ed is not patient. Ed is not kind. Ed does envy and he boasts. Sometimes he's proud. Ask my wife, Sherry. Sometimes I'm rude. Sometimes I'm self-seeking. Sometimes I'm easily angered. Once again, ask my family. There are times I keep records of wrong. Love, sometimes I don't rejoice with truth. Sometimes I don't protect. Sometimes I don't trust. Sometimes I don't even have hope, and sometimes I'm not able to persevere when adversity comes my way. And so when I read this verse, I realize I miss the mark. I fall short. And that makes me feel bad. That makes me feel like I'm not doing what God has told me to do. But remember what Paul is telling us throughout this whole section of Scripture. In fact, it goes into the very next point, the power of love. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It says, the love of God, once again agape, has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So when Ed is not kind, when Ed is not patient, when Ed is rude, when Ed keeps records of wrong, that's me living the power of Ed, not the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the only way we can live up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is to let his Holy Spirit that was poured into our hearts empower us to love. Remember, and if you don't take anything home from this, ver- this sermon, remember this. Whatever God requires, he provides. He provides. So it's a requirement. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another. I've already publicly admitted I can't love like the Bible wants me to love. God says, Ed, let me love people through you. Let me give you the spirit that produces the fruit so that you can love people like 1 Corinthians 13 says. Even when you fall short, even when you miss the mark, if you're you're depending on me, what I require of you, I will provide. And I am your source. It's not the fruit of Ed Simons, it's the fruit of the spirit. He's the one who produces love in me. And every time I fail, I come humbly 
to the foot of the cross and I say, Lord, help me, forgive me. Let your Holy Spirit empower me to be kind, to be patient, to keep no records of wrong, to not be rude, to always protect, to always hope, to always persevere. Help me, Lord Jesus. And God loves that prayer. He'll answer it, and he will produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. If you would, if everyone would bow their heads, no one looking around, just close your eyes, bow your heads. Is there someone today that would say, Pastor Ed, I too mess up when it comes to love. There's sometimes where I'm not kind. There's sometimes where I'm not patient. I really want his Holy Spirit to help me to produce that fruit in my life so that I can be that light and salt, the people that need God's love today. If you want the Holy Spirit to really produce that fruit in you and so that you love others like Jesus loved us, just simply raise your hand. No one will see it but me. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. You may put them down. That's my prayer as well. And I know God will help us in that. Let me pray for you, all those who raised their hands and and those that maybe didn't raise their hand. I want to pray for you as well. Dear Heavenly Father, help us today realize that love can only be produced, that agape love that we talked about can only be produced by you in our life. Lord, let your Holy Spirit produce that fruit in us. Help us to be better spouses, better fathers, better mothers, better sisters, better brothers. Help us to be better Christians in this world because we know without you, we cannot do it. It requires a surrendered life to you. And that's when the fruit of the Spirit comes into our life. The words of Jesus mean so much to me. He's the vine, I'm the branches. If I remain in him and he remains in me, that's when I will bear fruit. Apart from him, I can do nothing. Lord, let me not deceive myself to think I can do this on my own because I can't. I need you, God. I need your Holy Spirit to fall fresh in my life. Melt me, mold me, use me, Lord. Help me to be the person you want me to be. Help me to win the war against the flesh so that I can live the life of the fruit of the Spirit each and every day. Not just part of the fruit, but all the fruit harvesting and produced in my life each and every day. Help me to do that, and I will praise you and thank you for your mighty mighty works of my life. In your name I pray. Amen. 